Is uh, me spending time with you bringing any significance, meaning, difference, change? Okay. Uh, what do you say, Lizette? Yeah, I'm fine. My English boy. Your English boy, With what? Passion yeah. and empathy, <laughs> <coughs> seeing you through your letting go yeah. stage. Is he still? Is he still working on it? <coughs> I want to just briefly reflect today on the difference one finds between a manager and a leader. There's a, there's a lot going around in terms of. You know, am I a manager or am I a leader? Uh, at the outset, I would like to tell you, uh, in my thinking about this, it doesn't really matter which one of the two you are, both are needed to make most things in life successful. Whether you're a manager, tend to be more like a manager, tend to be more like a leader, becomes morning becomes in uh, many situations irrelevant because both are needed. Both fulfill a very specific function. Both contribute in a way that makes a... that makes a very constructive difference. When I was younger, people thought, you know, being a leader is the thing. I don't know if you're in that mindset, but being a leader is not necessarily the thing. I think what's more valuable is to become who you are. Whether that tend to to gravitate towards being a leader or tend to gravitate toward being a manager, then uh, that could be a path chosen. That could be a path that you go down. Some of the fundamental differences and I've got a little list here that I would like to go through just to give you a clear picture when one compares and my comparison is not to show that one is better than the other I don't my brain doesn't operate like that very often what I do see is to see that it's not either or it's both and more that kind of thinking helps me personally a lot to deal with many things that It's actually not either or. Is it this or is it that? We tend to think that that is the way we should think. You don't have to think that way. It's never either or. It's always both and more. We tend to draw a line. And we put things on the opposite ends of that scale. And then 
we feel compelled to say no it's this and not that or it's this and not that now it's very difficult to get out of that kind of thinking because you've been trained in that way of thinking and I'm not talking about king price per se uh, the whole uh, education system which most of us grew up in is is based on that that you are assessed you your performance is assessed we look at how you perform and then we give you a grade or a mark and if that performance is not is not good you get a low mark and we usually put that on a scale a low mark indicates unacceptability it indicates something which we don't embrace we don't like and if you were to get a high mark then you are sort of the star we like you we accept you we we like what you're doing we like your performance we like the grades and the marks that you get but that way of thinking is not a good way if you ask me because everyone contributes according to their ability everyone contributes according to in the bigger picture according to your purpose some people i've got got this whole host of children at home i've got five kids <clears throat> one of them isn't isn't very sharp compared to the others <laughs> the others get distinctions and they get even distinctions at university and so on but one is just is is not academically there now one can look at that and say listen my boy pull up your socks which he does he tries his best you just need to come to a place where you don't put it on a scale like that and say it's 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 not this or that it's either it's not either or it's both and more it's a kind of a way of thinking that you can apply to many things in your life instead of saying i choose this way or this only as the only right way it's a kind of a right and wrong way of thinking good and evil way of thinking good and evil way of thinking doesn't serve you doesn't serve no one but seeing things as where we can bring life and how we can look at something and it includes good and evil it includes great and not so great it includes light and darkness <clears throat> but when you look at the whole you see something different you see something more significant we categorize one another like that that's the way most of our brains work this is just a metaphoric or symbolic your brain consists of literally billions of boxes and a box represent an idea a concept you know your your understanding of something now that box you know these yellow postage stickers that you get you get pink ones and blue ones now every box in your mind has got a postage sticker on it with a name a word So when I say pen think about pen what color of pen were you thinking about Unica what color yeah black pen, black pen. Monique black, black. okay <laughs> morning you red <laughs> you also a black pen What color of pen would you think about when I say the word pen? Blue. Blue. Okay, so we've got some differences, variations on the theme here. What your mind does 
This is actually how our, our minds operate. When you are confronted in your external environment, I'm now part of your external environment, and I've asked a question. So I've triggered something. I've forced you in a way, not a bad way, forced you in a way to think now about something. And what I've forced you to think about is a pen. What your brain does, metaphorically, is to go to that box with a post-it sticker on pen. And you open the box and you look inside and you say, this is how I see it. <clears throat> now what that does to help you is to identify a pen when it comes into view. I'm a mind reader. I'm going to ask you a question now. And let me take a guess as to what box you are going to and opening up to look at your external environment, donkey. Donkey. What is this? Don't answer. Let me see if I can read your mind. I've got something in my hand. Kijk in my oor. Jy dink is a pen hierdie. Kijk in my... That's how the brain works. So you've got literally billions of boxes in your mind. And each one of them has got a sticker and some of the boxes are clustered together. So let's talk about a big box. King Price. Now when you open that box, you see oh, there are 20 other boxes. One is my work. One is my workstation. One is my department. Oh, the, my department is actually a big box. If I open that box, which is one of the boxes in the King Price box, oh, there, there, there's my team. Oh, there's my manager. You've got a box for that. When you open that box, there are certain words, there are certain concepts, ideas that come out that you and I use to interpret what's coming to us in our external environment. Now, no, it's, a, it's just a description of how the mind works. But your mind works like that. Now, many of the words, that's why I'm saying, coming back to it's not either or. Many of your words that help you to explain things that come to you, whether you see them, hear them, smell them, taste them, touch them. Many of the things that come to you, <clears throat> the boxes that you've created was created in fear or uncertainty or a feeling of insecurity or enjoy in happiness. Depending on when you created that box and what was repetitively placed in that box for you, <clears throat> sorry to understand that box, because that box represents understanding, your understanding. Depending on how you created it, how it came about that you created that box, whenever you look at that box, that same emotion will come up. Because that's how the mind works. The mind goes through three primary stages. Your mind, my mind, your children's mind, your husband, your wife's mind, your boss's mind, your colleague's mind, your team leader's mind, whoever's mind you can think of. 
it works like this. You think about something. Thinking is the first act of the mind. And that thinking will elicit, cause to rise, cause to surface, cause to come up, a certain emotion. And that emotion will drive what's known as your independent free will, your ability to act, to take a decision and act on that decision. That's how the mind works. In terms of sequence, you think, you feel, and then you do. Whatever you think will elicit a certain emotion. Let's taste this briefly. Okay, I'm going to force you by just the sound that's going to come out of my mind to go to a certain box. Jacob Zuma. <clears throat> What's the general feeling? Because you've gone to that box now. You've opened it up and that box now, what's inside of that box, explain to you what you think. It's your thinking. Is it predominantly positive? Predominantly neutral? Not this, not that. Or predominantly negative? By the shaking of the heads, it sounds like it's negative. So, what you think about that person elicit a certain emotion. Think about best holiday you've ever had. Can you think about that? It's possible. Should be. What emotion surfaces? By the smiles here and there, it looks like positive. On this side, positive. Or maybe neutral, it would rarely go to negative. Then you're not thinking about the best holiday you've ever had. Then you're thinking about something else. <laughs> so what you think, again, what you think will well, let me state it this way. What you think, embedded into that, linked to that, intimately, is feeling. If you're in consumer sciences, how people spend their money, you create corporate identity, you create branding, you create advertisements, you create social media, marketing in such a way that it elicits a kind of a response. Never neutral. Always positive or negative. You would watch an ad and then you would think, oh, that's cool. Because that's what they want you to think. Because what you think will elicit emotion. That emotion will drive behavior. You will say, I want to be associated with that. Oh, I want that product. I, oh, suddenly, yes, look at this pizza advertisement. I want a pizza now. Because that's what they wanted you to think. And that's the feeling they want to leave with you. A positive feeling. And then they know it's going to drive your behavior. Consumer behavior in this case.
Same for the negative one. Sometimes ad is so bad, you can't forget it. They also have that tactic. <laughs> it's a bit contraintuitive. They create such a bad ad that you simply can't forget how stupid that ad is. And then you remember them. They also came up with that. But in essence, what I'm trying to communicate to you is that as you think, so you are. If you think about yourself, let's bring it back closer to home to you. If you think, and I think I've mentioned it the first time two weeks ago when I came to spend time with you. If you think that you can't, let's say it's something that you need to do, something that you need to accomplish, something that you need to achieve, something that you need to finish, a target that you need to reach. If you think you can't, you're right. Whether you can or can't doesn't matter. What you think matters. If you think you can, you're right. You will be able to do that. If you don't have all the knowledge as to how to achieve that target <clears throat> or to get to that destination that you're heading for, you will figure it out because the will is engaged now. The will is engaged. If the will is not engaged, you can't do anything. The most powerful form of change and growing and learning is self-chosen change. Self-chosen learning. When I choose to learn, when I open myself to say, teach me, or I want to learn about this, that's when you come to a place where change becomes possible, constructive change when learning becomes possible. Learning has got some kind of life of its own. If I can briefly state it to you, it starts off with not even knowing that you don't know. It's got four stages, four phases. <clears throat> Stick with me here. The first stage is you don't know that you don't know. You get that? So I tell you something, or someone tells you something, and you realize, I didn't even know that I didn't know that. I'm even not even conscious about my ignorance. Young people are like that, or my children are like that. Let's go there. Let's not talk about young people. It's like I tell them something and I can see. They didn't even know that they were caught of God yet. That they didn't know that. That's usually the entry point for all of our learning. We don't know that we don't know. And then someone comes around or a situation presents itself and we see something and we realize we now know that we didn't know that. That's usually the second phase that we enter in a learning process, in a process that you come to grips with something, in a process that you learn more, is to learn about your own ignorance about what you didn't know about. <clears throat> now embedded in this, let me just take a little rabbit hole down here. Embedded in this is self-awareness. Is to become aware of yourself. 
you can become aware of how you think about things. If you don't think about yourself, if you don't sometimes reflect on yourself, if you don't sometimes ask yourself questions, if you don't sometimes challenge your own thinking, you will never change. You will just carry on. You will continue as is. What we don't think about, we do nothing about. We live untouched. We do nothing about the things we don't think about. But the things we think about are the things that we change or work with. Either leave it behind, letting it go, or doing more of it if it's benefiting us. But what we think about are the things that we change. That's why it becomes very important that you think about you. Now, there are ways in which you can think about you. Coming back to my first statement, you can think about yourself as either or. Hell, I'm bad. Well, I'm good. Both are not balanced because you're not all good. No one is. Not even the boss. He's also got flaws. He's also got development areas. Not weaknesses. Weakness is not a good word to apply to ourselves. We all have development areas. Things that we need to develop in ourselves so that we can become more of who we are. But he's not all bad. No one is all bad. So if you look at yourself, become self-aware, think about yourself, and you, you take a side. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it to the best of what you could do. You could look at yourself and say, well, there, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I'm good. I, I've got it, I've got it. And when I look at myself, mm, I, don't, I don't have it. Huh? I need, I need more of this. I need to change this. I need to change the way I think. That's a very powerful ability we have as human beings, is to change the way we think. We can. You're not locked into a kind of a destiny where, oh, sorry for you. This is the way you think and this is the way you'll always think. As I've grown older, I've seen that it becomes increasingly more difficult to change my mind because I sort of start to believe more what I'm believing, what I'm thinking. But it's not impossible. I can still change my mind. I believe that ability remains with us. Even to your deathbed, it will remain with you to be able to change your view, to change the way you think, to shift your paradigm, if I can use those words. <clears throat> to take a box, let me get it back to that metaphor, to take a box, open it up and say, let me clean this box out. Because I'm only seeing one-sided. I'm only seeing either this or that. This box is bigger. I need to allow more information to be placed in this box to understand it better or clearer or to see a more complete picture. That's always a challenge, to see the complete picture, to see the truth. It's very difficult to see the truth. Now in life, we live. We live. You, you live. You take calls, you write emails, you respond to people asking questions or giving instructions. 
You pick up the children, you answer your phone, you think about the weather, you look at videos of how things are washing away in Centurion and wherever. It's just life. We live life. We are constantly in this process of living life, continuously. Your awareness, your consciousness, your just being human causes us, causes you to live life. But you need, listen, this is something very scarce, very rare, but very precious. You need, and we have this now. <laughs> it's beautiful that we have an hour that we can sit and think. Think, just think. Don't worry about work. Don't worry about taking a call. Don't worry about answering an email. Don't worry about that client that's getting off on you. We can just think. Just tap into a framework, a thinking framework, a paradigm that can help us to think about ourselves. Because this path of just following life, just living life, needs to be interrupted by brief moments. We call them holidays. We call them driving to work. We call them meditation. We call it prayer. We call it stilted We call it whatever you call it. You need those brief moments of pause to reflect, to think, to become self-aware, to look at yourself and say, where am I? Very important question to answer from time to time. Not every day, not all day, not obsess about it. Not thinking, oh, where am I, where am I, where? Sometimes we are in those seasons, but we can't remain there. But we need in this path of life, need to create brief pause moments. An hour here, a half an hour there. Maybe you drive for an hour to work, that might be your time. Maybe you go on holiday and you walk on the beach. That might be a good time. Maybe you jog. Maybe you swim. Maybe you get onto your mountain bike. Or you get onto the gym. Into the gym. And you've got a pause moment. Pause moment. I'm not talking about a second. I'm talking about 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. That you can think about you. Why am I responding like this? Why when she says that, do I get so frustrated with that? If you don't think about that, the frustration will always be there. Because what you don't think about, what you just spontaneously, automatically do, and act and think, will never change unless you start to think about that. Self-awareness. To create those pause moments is very important. Like I said, we've got it here for an hour. This is very valuable in many ways. That we can just sit and think about ourselves and think, oh, yes, if I, if I listen to those words, that rings a bell. That makes sense. Maybe I should tackle it this way. Because true change is not really just intellectual thing. Our education system is so caught up in that and it's so, so substandard. Just populate the mind with intelligence and then we believe we produce great people. We don't. Change happens at both the head and the heart level.
if the two don't synchronize and there's no synergy there, that which is in your heart will drive you, not what's in your head. There's a lot of intellectual knowledge in our heads that doesn't make any difference. We just know it. Self-awareness, to think about, and this is one of the things I know I've diverted from manager and a leader, but this is one thing that whether you're a manager or a leader, this is one thing I believe. And if you can find a talk on my YouTube channel where I talk about leaders are self-aware, where I explain this in greater depth, how important it is for a leader to think about his own thinking. Think about the way you think. Because the moment you start to think about the way you think, you can change that. If you come to the conclusion that if I think that way, it's not serving me. It's not making a constructive difference. It's not really bringing about life. So I have to think about the way I think in order to change the way I think. Otherwise, I'll just keep on thinking that way and it will never change. And I'll run into that brick wall over and over because life tends to happen in cycles. All of those things, things we want to change. I have them. I can't think it's any different for you. There are things you want to change, you don't get them changed. It might be interaction and communication patterns between, between you and someone that you love. You just don't get it changed. You fight about this, two weeks down the line, you fight again about this. Three weeks down the line, you fight again about this. Six weeks down the line, you fight again about this. Just a variation on the same theme. <clears throat> if you don't press a pause button, that's what I call it. Press a pause button and say, listen, let me think. Why do I react in this way when she says that? Because now this ties in and I'm jumping here around. I'm aware of that. I didn't want to do it, but I feel like this coffee is doing its thing here. <laughs> There's a other very strong paradigm. Let's 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 pull it a little bit back for where I'm now and talking about things I'm talking about. Very strong paradigm that I think leaders and managers should embrace. That I think you and I as individuals should embrace. As parents, as husbands, as wives, as fiancés, as friends. Whatever role we play, we play dif different roles in different contexts. <clears throat> we all have a work context, we all have a family context. We all have a, with the work and family, a social context. With the family, work, social, we all have a spiritual context in which we live. That's just how life is constructed. Within whatever context you find yourself, there will be relationships. There will be communication between you and those people in those contexts. There will be interaction. Now, if you have a paradigm, that's not this one that I'm explaining to you, that I'm going to explain to you now. Life will be difficult for you. It's something that Albert Einstein said. And he was, in that time, talking more about the scientific context. But it's applicable to, to all the contexts in which we live. 
Whenever I think, this is the paradox, this is what he said. Whenever I think the problem is out there, that thought is the problem. Listen to this. Whenever I think the problem is out there, that thought is the problem. Whenever I think the problem is out there, the way I think about where the problem lies is the problem. The way I think. So <clears throat> you meet me, you ask me, why do you fight with your wife? Why do you take the cups and sauces and you get so overwhelmed by your aggression and your anger that you start to throw things around in the house? Now, if I tell you it's because my wife said this, I'm not going to solve the problem. You can't solve the problem with me because I'm telling you the problem is not me. But I am actually the one throwing around the cups and sauces in the house. But I'm, 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 I'm regressing. I'm going back to the original problem. It's not me, it's him. It's not me, it's her. And she said, no, it's not me, it's the snake. You get that? My mother walked into my room one day. She gave me this little piece of paper. I think I was busy writing. Put this little piece of paper on my table, walked out. Now, I don't want it to be disturbed when I'm writing because I get into kind of a flow. And when you break your concentration, it takes about 10 minutes, half an hour, sometimes an hour. Just to, what was I thinking? Okay, 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 okay. Uh, and then you get into the flow again. So she put the little paper down on my table and she walks out. <clears throat> when I took a break, I picked it up and I had a look at it and it says, Those who anger you control you. <laughs> and I thought, yes. how much wisdom is, is locked up in this little statement? Those who anger you, control you. And it's exactly what, uh, what uh, Albert Einstein said. Whenever I think the problem is out there and I want to blame someone else and I want to say, no, it's not me, it's them. If they stop doing that, then I'll stop doing this. Then you cannot fix the problem. I'm aware that this statement cannot be applied to everything in life. Because sometimes the problem is out there. But more often than not, the problem lies in here. In the way you and I think. We can change the thinking. When we change the thinking, in my case, I will stop throwing the cups and sauces. Because I've got no guarantee that my wife would stop saying those words that cause me to throw the cups and sauces. But I can change the way I think about what she says. And then it will change me. To own the problem. I used to have a life coach. He died earlier this year. A very sad story. I missed the man more than I can imagine. I would spend time with him, just go and sit with him. He's a very wise man. Didn't say much, but listened a lot. 
And sometimes he would just, after I've rambled and talked and talked and talked and just got things off my chest, he would just look at me and say, you know what the wise man, man said? The first time I didn't know what he meant. What, what, what did the wise man say? He said, the wise man said, own your shit. <laughs> so every time when I rambled and there was something that I knew I had to fix because I can fix it by changing my mind, by shifting the paradigm, by looking at it in a different way. And he would ask me, you know what the wise man said? I know what he said to me. <clears throat> he said, the problem lies inside of you. Stop blaming other people. Stop accusing other people. Stop hoping that other people will change and it will be easier for you then to do what you need to do. If you're proactive, if you're a person that can truly believe, you can make a difference. And proactive people usually think like that. You say, irrespective of what you do, I'm going to think differently about this. Because I can't be your puppet on a chain. I can't be controlled by you because you anger me. And as long as you anger me, you will control me. So you do something and then it's got a ripple effect in me. And then I do something. So I'm just reactive, reactive, reactive. So if we come to a place where we own our shit, part of the shit that we will own is to Maybe think about your own thinking and look at that thinking that doesn't serve you. Become self-aware of that. Become aware of the thinking that doesn't serve you. Like for instance, my boss is an BBB. That thinking will make you to be controlled by that thinking. It's not your boss really. It's one of the boxes that you need to clean out because you've got the power to do that. I've got the power to clean out my boxes and say, listen, this box was constructed in a time where it was difficult. So, you know, this box is a difficult box. Whenever I look at that box, open it up, it's got the stamp on whatever. My, what's traumatic? There are traumatic things in our lives. In my case, let's say the birth of my first blind son. There's a box, my son. So when I look at that box in the beginning, 23 years ago when he was born, it's like I can't look at this box. It's tearing me apart. It's causing me to cry. It makes me to crumble, to fall apart. So I have to clean it out. I have to see other things put other things that describe that box into that box because I will go to that box we've got the power to open the boxes and to say listen is this this way of thinking not the person not the external environment not the relationship not what's out there what's in here what's in here if I open this box and I look at how this box is constructed, what it holds, what it tells me about what's the sticker on the outside of it. If it's not serving me, I need to deal with that. 
Otherwise, I will be forever the victim of that box. That's where people get their victim mentality. You know, can't do anything. That's not a good way of thinking. It's not serving you. It's not serving those around you to think. You know, my hands are tied. I can't do anything. I'm like the victim here. It's a way of thinking. It's not truth. It's a way of thinking. And a way of thinking can be changed. So the self-awareness is kind of a trigger. That pause times that you create in your week, in your month, in a day. To just reflect on yourself. And again, don't get to a place where you reflect on yourself and you place yourself on one side of a scale. Yes, I'm evil. I'm no good. Don't go there. You're more valuable than that. Yes, do you have development areas? We all have. Yes, do you have things that you need to change about the way you think? Yes, we all have. Do you have to punish yourself for that? No, you don't have to. You can stop that. But that's also a choice. To stop punishing yourself for not being good enough. Because that's not truth. That will not set you free. Knowledge of the truth sets us free. Someone once told me that the truth shall set you free. And I said, no, it will not. I said, but it's, it's in the Bible. The truth shall set you free. I said, no, it will not. And that's not what it says in the Bible, I, I told him. He says, I'll show you. He says, show me. So he opens his Bible and says, knowledge of the truth shall set you free. I says, yes. You should know the truth. You should think the truth. The truth in itself will not set you free. You should think it. Your mind should process the truth. Yes, yes, then then you'll be set free. But the truth lying there, and we look at it, and it is there, it exists, but we don't embrace it. We don't think it. We don't utilize it. We don't allow our minds to process it. It will not set you free. Your mind should process it. You should think that way. So in your self-awareness, when you come to a conclusion about something, when you open a certain box that contains information about who you think you are, and it's destructive, it's making you think you're not good enough, it's, it's hindering you to move forward, it's telling you that you're the victim, you should reconsider. You should rethink. If that's not serving you, why do you think that? Why would you like to continue thinking that? Because what you think will elicit emotion. If it's a negative thought, guess what kind of emotion it will elicit? A negative emotion. Why do you want to do that to yourself? You're more valuable than that. Proactivity, another very powerful characteristic, attitude, choice. 
that a leader could make is to be proactive. And that's amongst other things I think implicitly I'm telling you here. You can change the way you think about you. I can applaud you. I can say, you're the best thing. You're great. And if you don't think that, what I think doesn't matter. Listen to this. My wife and I had this conversation last night. We were watching some YouTube videos about Gabor Matei. I think his surname is Matei. He's a medical doctor. But he's much more in, into psychology than in his medical profession. And he was talking about living in the now, how important it is for us to live in the now. And we were sitting there and talking and I paused the video and my wife was telling me how powerful it is the things that this guy is saying. And I was thinking to myself, you must have heard me. Where I talk about living in the now, I've got a, like an hour long teaching about living in the now. And I assessed when I thought about why do I think like this? I came to the realization I wanted her acknowledgement more than she giving the acknowledgement to that guy. And that was my self-awareness about me. And we had a conversation about that. I said I should get over myself now. Nah. She said, yes, you should. should. Move on. I think you're great. <laughs> you're making the difference that you should. Just move on. You don't need my acknowledgement. But I had to become self-aware about that. Self-awareness is not self-consciousness. I'm feeling shy, or I'm feeling unworthy, or I'm feeling un embarrassed. Self-consciousness, or self-awareness, is just to have a realistic perception of yourself in a moment. It's also one of the elements of emotional intelligence. If I feel, and I'm in touch with that feeling, or aware of that, that I'm angry. Then I can apply what, what's called impulse control. I'm not going to burst out. But if I'm not aware of that feeling, I'll burst out. Because I'll give myself to that feeling. So self-awareness is a very important thing for you and I to grow as, as people. I often make the statement, self-awareness is the start of human growth. You can start to cultivate growth in yourself if you become aware of the way you think. Because if you become aware of the way you think, especially about yourself, then you can change that if it's not serving you, if it's not helping you to move forward, if it's inhibiting you, if it's making you the victim, if it causes you to feel bad about yourself, you can change that thinking. I'll end up <coughs> off with this story and some of you might have heard me talking about this. 
for me it's a very powerful story there's there's a man a psychiatrist and I don't even know if he's still alive his name is Viktor Frankl he's a Jew he wrote the book man's search for meaning good book to read so he explains he was he was for I think three three and a half years he was in one of the concentration camps in, during the Second World War. And he was explaining how horrific the circumstances were, how difficult it was, how cold it was, how hungry they got. It sounded difficult, very difficult. It sounded like, yeah, I've never experienced that. I don't know what that is. I can hear how difficult it could be. But I've got no point of reference for myself to understand how difficult it could be, how challenging that was. Now in his book, what he wants to do is to make a case for we can own our shit. We can take responsibility for our lives. We can be proactive. And he says, <clears throat> you know, another guy, one of the other prisoners, they were, I don't know, they were working on, on, in the rails, laying down rails for trains. And it was cold, bitterly cold. They didn't have socks, shoes were dilapidated. And the one guy was continuously telling him how he's going to, take revenge on the Germans when the war is over. And he said he found himself thinking that they've taken away my wife from me. I don't know where she is. I don't know even if she's alive. They've taken away my children. I don't know if they're still alive. I haven't seen them for years. Taken away my work. He was busy with some important scientific research. They've taken away all those things. But one thing they cannot take away from me. It's my choice to respond to them the way I choose. And I'm going to choose to forgive them. Because I don't want to carry them with me. That's the power of choice. Irrespective of what comes at you, what's been done to you, what you've been subjected to, you can still make a choice about that. Whether you're going to hold it in you in a way that it's going to torment you or whether you're going to let it go. One of the most powerful acts on the face of the planet is to forgive others. Primarily, so that you and I can be set free. Not them. The perpetrators, sometimes I think they should go to hell. But as long as I think like that, I'm the victim. As long as I think like that, I'm controlled by the way I think about them. To unhinge yourself, to release yourself from this prison, of where those people, if you could just lay your hands on them, you'll rip them to pieces or get back at them 
or take revenge or vindicate vindicate what they've done to you. As long as you think like that, you're a prisoner. And I want to be as brash as saying, whether you agree with my statement or not, you are. But if you can release them, set them free, <clears throat> not necessarily in person, because sometimes they're not even alive and still alive. Or you don't even know where on the planet they are. But if you can release them from yourself, the way you think, then you can be set free. You could say, yeah, but forgiveness belongs on a Sunday morning in a church. No. Forgiveness is something you carry with you. Forgiveness is something that it's an attitude. It's a posture you take in life. Very difficult. It's easier not to forgive. Always. It's easier to blame. Always. It's easier, you know, to carry these thoughts because in the end it's just thoughts in your mind and you process them and when, when the external environment presents them to you you go to that box and you take that box and say this, this box when I open it the anger comes and I want to vindicate myself and I want to tell him or her you know they're wrong they most probably are wrong It's very powerful to forgive. It's very powerful to set others free from yourself. Because by doing that, you're setting yourself free from them. Is it easy? Cannot be easy. Why not? <clears throat> because we forgive those that have hurt us. The act of forgiveness is given to those that are our enemies. You don't have to forgive your wife for loving you. You don't have to forgive your child for being obedient. You don't have to forgive your boss for being kind to you. You don't have to forgive someone for doing something good to you. We forgive and forgiveness is exclusively reserved in the domain where pain was given and received. It's a good thing to think about bringing that, this thought of forgiveness back to self-awareness. Look into the mirror. Reflect on yourself. Are there people that control you because they anger you? Niku said, and Niku is not really talking any lies or deception here, he said that if you want to be released from those and move on in life, then you need to forgive them. Set them free from yourself. Is it like so? No, it's not like so. It's a process. It takes time. Something you wrestle with. You wrestle, 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 wrestle. Sometimes you get so tired you give up and then forgiveness comes. It's in your hands to forgive. It's in your hands to be proactive. It's in your hands not to look at yourself as either this or that, but as both and more. There's not a gun against your head to say you have to forgive or you 
should not forgive. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a freedom of choice. We can choose. Obviously, my encouragement through what I'm saying and what I'm hearing myself say is, come on, man, let those people go because you will be released from prison. Come on, man, become proactive. Own your shit. Work with it. Sort it out. Take the bull by the horn and say, listen, I can no longer be the subject, the victim, suppressed by this or that or that. And all this or that and that is just the way you think. You've got a great life to live. When you trust Dainsney, live it, I live Look favorably upon yourself. When you see you, smile at yourself. Have mercy with yourself. Be kind to yourself. Don't, don't just punish yourself and discipline yourself and be angry with yourself. You're greater than that. Some food for thought for those who go on holiday and those who are not going on holiday. <laughs> I thank you for your time. Uh, I've made recordings of the three talks that I've given and I'm just going to cut out the <coughs> and all that stuff and then I'll release it to you. And if you want to revisit them, revisit them. I'm looking forward next year to spend this rhythm of time with you maybe every second week or so. And there are many more I can share with you. Much more. Much, much more. So, these are little baby steps. Enjoy your festive season. Be kind to others. But first, be kind to yourself. See you next year. <laughs> Thank you too. <coughs>